Hello and welcome to another edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and tonight I bring to you part two of my discussion with Nick Kadzirnas of the punk band The Obvious, as well as a slew of different varying bands transcending genre of all type. Right now, we're trying to get into a little bit of uh, his new work, his new single, Way to Me. That just dropped this past week. It's available on Lathe Cut Clear Vinyl. This episode is like a flip side to part one, wherein we get to a, a lot of darker places uh, in the human psyche. Not as dark as I normally get on this show, because Nick is just a, let's face it, he's a pretty positive guy, upbeat, happy. But we get into the, the depths a little bit. We get into the reeds, and uh, it's enlightening. It's a lot of fun. He's a very, very intelligent human being with a whole lot to say. So without further ado, I give to you part two of my interview with Nick Zirnis on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. being involved in it's a nice experience when they do it and then i really try to work really hard to promote it you know um and and get that music out there in different ways and i mean we see what happens you know we're seeing yeah. right now you know i'm working on this single is coming out tomorrow and it's like we're we've been working on it and we'll see <laughs> yeah. and that's all you can do but the other thing too is you know i'm not you know losing the rent <laughs> if I, you know like when i was on you know like out like touring with cage i'm like am i gonna be able to pay the rent you know yeah. so it's like because you're not in the band in the van all the time so you know i do realize i've got some I'm very fortunate in that way that it's like I'm doing this very seriously, but also doing it in a way that fits in with for Kathy and I and our kids and our, you know, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's great, you know, and a lot of that is, I mean, I know a lot of people who work, I mean, I, you know, in like, we're just talking about the people in Ohio who've gone out all these places like David Poe and Matt Espy playing in dead rider and Josh Hogan asleep at the wheel and John yeah. uh, uh, Schmerzel playing in care. But then I, I talk to all those people and find out, and it's interesting how the lie, their lives are arranged and the different things they do and all that, you know, it's, it's a really interesting, like the music industry is actually a really interesting industry, but it's not nearly as, straightforward because of the way it is right the way right. it works i find it fascinating how people like how they put the different things together you know and, and how it works and uh and so i'm like okay i guess that's how this is how i do it <laughs> you know yeah, so because right now there's no there's no metric because I, you, you know let's say you were tied to a larger label uh, you end up owing them money uh yeah. Whereas, like, priority. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, whereas if you're doing it yourself, uh, which is what we'd learned in the eighties was how to do this do, sort of right. thing. Yes. Um, you're on the right track because maybe if you fail, it's on you, but if you succeed, it's all you, it's all you. Yeah. And then, and then maybe the, the, the support or the money comes after you've already gotten enough. Yeah. I mean, I work with, 
or, you know, like have worked with bands who have always had that mentality. And then all my friends who are in bands uh, have that same DIY mentality. You know, Lung is a great example of that. They, yeah. You know, or booking their own tours or, 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 you know, getting on other tours and, and, and in really in control of everything they're doing. And I keep meeting bands and artists that are like that. And not only that, but they're all doing it in different ways. Yeah. Um, so I met uh, Sam Ray, who played cello for Brandy Carlisle. And so mm -hmm. she went on her own and she had a whole way that she wanted to travel, like where she wanted to go, how she wanted to do it, what the shows were going to be like, like all of this sort of stuff. Had the musicians she wanted to care and thinking, you know, it's a very entrepreneurial way of thinking. It's also very DIY and it also was about lifestyle. And yeah. I thought that's really fascinating because I think a lot of us kind of maybe grew up thinking, of course, the industry is not like it was, right? But, but kind of thinking it's a certain way, but it is like exactly what you said. It's like, do it do as much as you can. And what I always say is then don't delegate until you just, you need someone to take care of something for you right. because then you're still at the drive, you know, in the driver's seat. And so most of the groups, you know, I'm mean, the people we've been talking about today in the different ways that they do it are, even if some of them are working with labels, they tend to be those types of arrangements. And yeah. it's actually, sometimes it can seem like a real struggle, but in some ways it's really interesting how things are set up now because it is possible for like you and I to decide we're gonna like record a song and put it out and we've got all yeah. the distribution we could ever handle. And any more distribution, we couldn't handle it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's like we, we, we've got all the resources, we got all the tools to do it and to measure it and create our own metrics as you were saying, you know, like to decide what that is. And so for me, like I have a family, I have a job, uh, I'm recording and I sort of have a whole approach to these are the things and they change, right? Depending you know, of how I'll promote, my, how I'll make the music and then how I'll promote the music and how I'll know if it's working and yeah. what I'll do with it if it is and what I'll do with it if it doesn't, you know, but it's all based on the, the just the, the creation of the songs. And I feel like it's sort of like a, a reward in a way for working on it all these years that now the tools are all there, you know? And so, I mean, it's like, you used to have to call Jim every Thursday between three and five, <laughs> if you wanted a show in Jersey city, you know? And it's yeah. like, and he didn't always pick up, you know? And now it's just like, you just shoot him a DM or whatever, you know, I'm not saying things are easier in that way because there's all sorts of other things that come in, but, but it is kind of exciting that bands who want to control, you know, control their own destiny, who just want to do their thing can just do it. And, yeah. you know, it's like you can form a band today and your records out on Bandcamp tomorrow and it's on Spotify in three weeks, not even it's on every mm -hmm. streaming platform in three weeks. And that is a signal to noise thing. And that is the downer. Right. Yeah. But it also, I think that if we don't think if we're not trying to shoot for the moon the whole time, and I, this one thing I think I've learned over the years is like all those groups and all those things. I have people who have kind of stuck with me and supported me, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and I just keep meeting new and amazing people and I keep getting to play with new and amazing people, you know. And uh, so in that sense, it's like it's always been like that. But I feel really lucky to have been able to to keep doing this and, and have some people that will listen. And I don't you don't I mean, I'm sure wouldn't it be great if we had a million people. Right. But it's like, yeah, just having some people who appreciate it is great. Cause that's kind of, I mean, and that's not even like an ego thing. It's more like a validation thing. Right. Cause it's like, yeah. it's like in the end, if you're not doing it because it's an outlet and you need to, then why are you doing it? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe if you're a super good player and you just get gigs, but it's like, but it is nice to put it out there and get like, you know, like some validation that it's connecting. I think that, you know, 
And um, that's and that's, been great that's gonna that's gonna come though because you know you've been whittling away at it. You've been <laughs> whittling away. It's true. Yes. <laughs> and and we all that's so what true. we all do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I've noted. I've um, I've just realized that I only have legitimately one format to my entire podcast and it's one question and i didn't ask it because we hit the ground running in a very phenomenal way so okay. we we didn't need a conversation starter okay. now that now that we're toward uh kind of like the latter half of, sure. of the interview i always ask the same question yeah. what what is it that terrifies you on an existential level Oh, um, oh, wow. I was right? How was right? I not prepared for that one? I, ask it. I didn't even, I, um, well, okay. Uh, we might have to break that down a little bit. I think the biggest, the thing that's like scares me on an existential level is, um, I think I have a, a, a big fear about like health and harm to like my family and loved ones. Mm -hmm. that is uh that is like um can be very scary at times right and i think that is um you know kind of going through like losing my parents and losing like my best friend you know uh, uh years ago and uh seeing your my kids go through scary stuff you know and friends go through scary stuff i think like i i think because a lot of people ask me about different fears and things i'm scared of and i'm like well i don't feel like i'm scared of things like you know eventually you're like you overcome things because you go through them but that's the sort of thing that gets me at a point of like um you know the like want to like stock up the cans in the in the bomb shelter kind of you know yeah. is that sort of fear that you, you can't uh like and this is where it goes existential is that like you like no matter what you do you won't ever be able to like completely take care of someone like my daughter's up in chicago and you know like on her own and she's you know big city gal and and, and but it's like but that is a sort of like a you know a, i just know at times when you know when she's been struggling it's just like a you know like oh it's you know i'm almost can't, like it gets to the point where like you feel like you're there's sort of like what what's the world mean if you if you can't do something to to remedy this to keep it from not just fix it but keep it from happening in the first place yeah that does is that a weird answer no but i think that that, that fear that you have um well fear plus responsibility to like a a, a a small child that is sick right or something like when my son broke his arm or bro mm -hmm. yeah he broke his arm and i had to take him to the hospital and they had to put him under but they don't put you under all the way they put you like you know in twilight twilight yeah. second he just goes completely blank and i thought i thought the world ended yeah you know yeah that to me is like and then i that uh, that actually applies to my friends and my family you know and having gone through that with some family members now too it's just like it's a very brutal and you just said like you're sort of perpetually in fatherhood mode i'm like i almost feel like it's kind of that it's that sort of protective thing but at the same time you yeah. know ultimately you can't do anything about it so you're you know you're you can only do what you can do right so yeah. um you you know it's a it's a work in progress to understand the your responsibilities your accountabilities and your borders right your, your boundaries and like what you can and do. your abilities your and abilities your, right and well and those are the things i think get challenge the most because you you're yeah. continually up against oh maybe i can't do this or or i don't know how to do this or i don't do this very well and i would say all the time you know on the other hand like my son's 16 and a half now and i'm i'm really enjoying this sort of transition into this these like adult 
you know, grown up kind of rela- family relationships is yeah. kind of, is really exciting as well. So, I mean, the, the, but I don't think I'll ever lose that, you know? And so, no. uh, and I do, you know, like I've, I've, I've had friends in situations like that too, where I've felt those same types of things, you know, where, I mean, you know, you have empathy, right. And you're, and sure. you're protective and you're caring and all those things, but like, sometimes that does get to me. Sometimes I do feel, you know, uh, the pandemic certainly rattled my cage with that a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, a friend of ours passed away from complications after COVID uh, a couple weeks ago. And it was like, it's like that sort of thing that just makes you think, you know, it's, it's once you feel powerless now we're to the existential, right? So it's like, yeah, it's like, what can I do? You know? And it's like, well, that's probably not the right question. You know, <laughs> it's just like, you, you know, you just present and then you find out, right. As, as, if yeah. you're present, then you're going to, if you, if you're there and you stay there, then, you know, uh, and you practice compassion, then, okay, then that's it. But it's still really scary. <laughs> so, yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. And yeah. Thanks, you know, for, the, yeah, yeah. thanks for the tough question. Dude. <laughs> I ask everybody this question and normally it's right at the beginning. I get it oh, out of the way. Right but, the beginning. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm a fucking punisher. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we oh kind of we hit it off really uh, quickly and easily. So I kind of just I, it was a foregone conclusion that I would come to that later. Get to it eventually. Like, yeah, we we'd get there. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no, now, that's great. That's a great one. So now that I've taken all the wind out of your sails, no, no, right? no, no. It's inter- It's just interesting though because it's like you know you can. It's like then you start figuring out the you know like what where your motivations are and, and it puts yeah. it, it puts things into perspective you know i mean it's like as important as music is you know it's like i mean it's like you it's like everything's so i've I, as i mentioned i've like i've been in the same line of business for a long time in terms of software design and i've been really fortunate to get to a point where things have been like pretty good for a while right and that's allowed me to be less of a person who's working constantly trying to yeah. you know like get there to being able to like cool i feel like i've hit my stride i can't believe i'm saying this knock on wood so but 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 that's allowed you know like the family to be in better balance right because family had to put up me traveling or working crazy hours or whatever you know music was like turned off for a little while because it wasn't you know and and it's easy to go down the rabbit hole of music right so so it's nice like i i feel like i've got a nice balance of those things you know and it's at a time when you know like when the kids were younger got to do all those really fun kid things then they go through the teen years of of sort of establishing themselves you know yeah and now we're having the and then you go you know you're like and now as they're they're growing up we're having these conversations as more of like grown-ups or about to be grown-ups love it it's great you know i really love it and i really appreciate the fact that i've been able to get back to playing music as well you know and i think my i think my kids kind of a think it's pretty cool it's not exactly their style you know it's got a little bit of twang to it so that's not really their thing you know but um but they uh but they they kind of like that i do it you know and then i do you know that i mean i could be really bad at it i mean you know i mean i mean it's like well i mean gosh i guess i shouldn't say that but it's like the uh, i mean they seem to think i'm pretty good at it right but the the thing is is like uh i remember being young like young young and thinking my father was the coolest human being on earth because he was a drummer 
and he played mm. gigs with muddy waters after he got out of vietnam like i just don't oh my doubt. god my dad's Whoa. the fucking coolest fucking guy on earth he took me to see the clash when i was a kid like yeah yeah with the who yeah with 82 the, tour 81 82 Shea oh stadium Shea yeah. stadium yeah and oh. like like oh, later later on looking at him as like you know this drunk asshole but i'm not really like understanding that this guy was in vietnam i have pictures of him with human ears around his neck like he he was in combat wow. he was in hell you know this guy yeah. went through shit uh and and kind of like learning about the extremities of, of of who your parents could be and who they are and the dichotomy of that in relation to being your parents and you know it, it's easier when it's mom because mom is still like you know mom my mom went but my mom was also the nurturer uh hmm. so, so so i don't have that kind of push and pull but with dad he was uh the epitome of psychosis and violence yet the epitome of artistry and poetry and and the beauty of 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 human existence you know i i i my my main goal is to not be that in the eyes <laughs> of my children in the eyes of my children but i'm probably fucking gonna be and i can't stand it <laughs> <laughs> i just we just ended up asking you the question so yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much interesting that is interesting because it's like i mean my parents were like they were amazing people but you know like i mean my dad had struggles my mom had struggles and those were things that was very um you know um concerned about repeating perpetuating being different i yeah. think that that is probably enough yeah, right there, because it's like it's like I think self-awareness is is like, I mean, we don't I mean, I'm I would like to think I'm self-aware every once in a while. I'm like, oops, <laughs> sure. Of but, course. But, of but course. I think that if it's like if if we're if we're willing to go there and and then and, and, and do the work from there, then we're going to be OK. We're not going to be perfect. We're st are we going to do some things they did? Probably. Probably. But it's like, but, but the thing what we're going to do is we're going to learn from them. And that was the point, right? To be self-aware and to learn from them so that we make better decisions about what we do. Not that they yeah. made any bad decisions, right? But but the, but it's just to be able to, to progress. And I think that's probably all that they would have wanted, you know. Uh, so I think my, my folks were, were really good about kind of laying things out. And then, be, like, I mean, I was in a, I played in bars starting at 15. Yeah, right. And so and my parents yeah. were super strict before that. And then they let me do this. Yep. So but before that, they really laid out things about sort of like code of conduct, I guess, in a way, like how you treat people, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, how you behave, how you act like the way, you know, like and, and sort of set a pretty good foundation. So even, you know, in their struggles or in their issues that they faced, you know, it's like they kind of set that out. I'm not saying not saying perfect at all. You still have to learn how to like walk right you get yeah um so you can hear that stuff but it's like i did appreciate that they did that you know yeah. so that kind of puts some perspective for me that like when my dad was struggling with all of his health and all those things it's like maybe and you know not maybe wasn't taking care of him anyway with himself but it's like it's like what i do what i use what i i kind of look at those positive aspects and i think okay well then there's some of the downsides of the issues how do i want to make sure i take care of myself for myself and my family to do better 
or whatever. I don't. I mean, I'm trying not to say that in a judgmental way. Just right. so like, if I can do what I think I need to, what needs to be done for me, right, to take care of myself. Yeah. And you know, my health at 53. Oh, I said it is um uh, <laughs> is much much better than my parents' health. Yeah. Well, yeah. think about the, their generation. Our parents' generation, born in the 40s. It, it was a different it was a different oh. thing you know i mean yeah. you know you and i are legitimately only like what five years apart yeah. you know and and our parents came from the baby boom and slightly before and there was the um the great world war ii of it all with our with our grandparents and everybody like in my family all the men died in their late 30s early 40s even my father who passed away from agent orange he, oh my gosh he wow. was he was like in his 60s and he lived so much longer than than his father and his grandfather yeah yeah uh, you know he he almost made it to 70 which is like pff, that that puts me like okay i might make it to 80 <laughs> uh, what, no but but true like i mean uh my parents died early 70s and a lot mm -hmm. of that was health related yeah um my grandparents were from latvia and came over after World War II, and they made each made it to ninety. Yeah, and so did my other, my great, great, my those are sorry, my grandparents, but also my great grandmothers made it that one too. And so, like, so I think and, okay, well, the family is pretty hardy, but they had like a very like you know, um, you know, Latvian way of living, right? Very meat and yeah. very uh, potatoes and potatoes. But it was like, but like the way the time period our parents grew up in, like. It's like, like as Americans, like health was not the same thing as what we're experiencing now. So yeah. like we potentially are, and our kids are, you know, are even longer, like almost to the point of like hundreds. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that may be a thing for our kids, you know, whereas like we're thinking 80, 90, you know, yeah. and, you know. Uh, with some it's... with some certain conditions in place, <laughs> well, because we're Slavic people, you and I both. Yeah. I mean, you're, uh, yeah. you're Latvia, Poland. I mean, there's mm -hmm. that that whole like we're cholesterol fiends, you know, like like the butters and the you oh, know I'm, we're the we're the Zocor fiends, yeah, yeah, like... yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I am. So uh, no, yeah, yeah, I mean, my whole family's got the high cholesterol. So, but um, brought that over. So yeah, yeah, it's really I don't know. I I. I just think that's it. I mean, it's it's like sometimes our what what we see our parents do can scare us, and we and we see that in our kids because we want our kids to be right. It's like, mm -hmm. but I think it works out okay. I think it's just a matter of what our mindset is of how we how we approach it. Is it says it all, right? You know. Yeah. And so. my son, I have I have uh, my three year old son. He's basically jazz royalty because my wife's great uncle played in duke ellington's band lawrence oh lucy he's he's a legend oh he's a legend he was a hundred and like four years old when he died that's amazing and that's so amazing oh my god in the heroin years of jazz of jazz, yeah and yeah. He, he just passed it over he's like no nah, i'll just he, like he he was the best man in one of dizzy gillespie's weddings like this guy was heavy uh that's so cool my son has all this music on both sides and you know, I, I'm just, I'm really hoping that, you know, my son kind of takes after mom's side of the family. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see what you, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. we are just like the Tansky side is a collision course with uh, a dark <laughs> destiny. <apparently. laughs> but, um, 
you know oh, that creative music side though that's like so amazing you know i mean hopefully I I whatever he decides what he does. to do he'll, he'll get to he's already legacy you know like he's already musically weird. inclined that's oh, very yep he's surrounded yeah. by it i've i've synthesizers drums guitars all around this guy yeah and he's taking to it and oh that's awesome you that's know, awesome he loves the misfits and the Ramones the, the, like at three, you know, yeah. he, already, he already has like one foot in it. All cool. And it's, That's it's, cool. it's, it's beautiful it's to see, see just they... like your kids, you know, like, yeah, the, yeah. yeah like, it's kind of, it's fun to see them like take the stuff and decide what to do with it. Yeah. You know? Uh, and then my son is a, my son was playing drums for a couple of years and he was like solid, like at 11, he was solid drummer and he's, he's kind of entertaining being, getting back into it. And if he does, well, my, my daughter played like five different instruments, you know, very competently, but she wasn't that interested in it, but she has like an in-depth music appreciation, you know, like mm. she's good taste in music, right? Just like, you know, Kathy, uh, my wife does. And so um it's just cool to, to see that i think i mean i'm it's like if they want to play music if they want to be musicians cool if they don't cool it's like yeah. you know whatever like for me it's the thing it's it's that's what makes me tick you know and yeah. so i'm glad that they gave it a try to see if they enjoyed it and i love the fact that like he can pick up a ukulele i mean you know it's like it's like they can they've got some musical inclination here too and to me like and this is how i teach my the students I teach is just to like, even if you kind of have to go back off and play basketball or do whatever, if you have that, you always have it. You can yeah. always sit there and play and enjoy it. I do teach every once in a while. I teach a couple adults and, and, and I guess in some ways I'm just trying to teach the appreciation and the joy of it because it's like, I've, there has, it hasn't been a day since I was 13, 12 or 13 that I haven't played the guitar too. And there's still so much like, you know, I've been taking lessons from this guy in England over Skype and it's just like, he's, my mind is getting blown. You know, I'm like, there's yeah. so much to learn, you know, and but I love it. But I'm never going to learn all of it. I'm just going to enjoy the, the process. I think no. just kind of like Miley Cyrus, I think, really enjoying the climb or whatever. Well, I mean, <laughs> in all honesty, though, you, I got you, you see, there for a second. You were like, <laughs> you see someone like Miley Cyrus, though, and she went from being this teen idol, <laughs> Hannah Montana yeah. thing to she shows up, uh, in music in these like jam sessions with Laura Jane Grace from against me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like she's, she, she has a, a, a deep appreciation for uh, music and all of its forms. So I'm yeah. not going to shit on that woman oh. because she, she loves what she does. I, I, I do like it when people, she use hangs their out with Wayne coin, man. Yeah, right. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I do like it when people use their powers for good. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice, and I've always had a lot my role models have always been people who've done that, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, um, it's like, it's like that example. I love that example of like Sonic youth with the Melvins and with the, um, with Nirvana. Mm -hmm. And then and my friend Jim joined the breeders. He, they Nirvana took them on the breeders on tour with them. And yep. that was, and Jim went from playing in Dayton, Ohio to playing all over the world with Nirvana. And you know, so and it was like, and, and Bruce you know, Springsteen took so, uh, social distortion on tour yeah, a couple yeah, times. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Yep, love stuff it, like that. And I've been really lucky, like that people have have done that for me, have given me chances to like get a leg up and to learn. You know, like working with Mark, you know, just with everybody I've been working with, have been there's there's such great people and so talented and have so much insight, and I've learned so much. And it's like those are just great opportunities. You know, and. 
I mean, I think that's kind of how I just want to keep making records now is is in these groups of different people to see what we can do. And it's interesting because I've had other people kind of approach me now, but hey, would you be interested in doing something? And, you know, where it's this sort of thing of like, yeah, there's an op, there's this, op, there's these, it's like the, the, the time and space is right to do something. Let's yeah. try to do something. And some things just sort of sit there. Maybe they happen. Maybe they don't, whatever. But And you can't have a huge list of stuff you never get to it or whatever. But it's but it's like things that just, you know, we'll see what feels good and, and go from there. But it's kind of nice just to be, to know that there's opportunities out there, right? And to know also, having done this now, like I've been working on these records for the past few years, is to sort of have that be a way of working that is really exciting, and really pushes me to keep going and makes, cause I kind of want to, I'm like, Oh, now here's this, you know, and, yeah. to, and it's like, and there's a continuity that goes back from being first playing at canal street tavern in Dayton, Ohio and meeting Mark Patterson, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I was 15 or whatever and all the way to now, and I continue to meet new and wonderful people and make and you great have friends. Great, you, know? you have great people in your orbit. That's yeah. that's the most uh, inspiring thing to me to have the ability to reach out to these people who are luminaries in their specific fields, who are willing to work with you and don't have any misgivings about throwing their hats into the ring with you because they know it's going to be something worthwhile. That speaks volumes to what your capability is. Oh, well, opinion. thank you. That's very <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I think I, about I'm, it. I'm, I, I've been, I've, I knew the obvious. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I know your music since I'm a young guy. Like, I'm I was a pretty young fella. Getting out of this one, he knows the obvious. <laughs> I, I'm re I've been really fortunate to, you know, like to work with just great people ever since I started, and, and and get help from so many wonderful people, and still be able to work with people that are, you know, like um, doing cool stuff, and 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 maybe some of them are off doing big stuff, maybe some of them aren't, and but it's like, but just finding ways to 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 work with people that are just, you know, like kind of keep keep everything going and you know we just have good experiences together you know and we're for you know and like for me like i like to do this and i like to make things happen so i'm always i'm interested in making records and playing shows right and promoting them and, and things like that so it's nice to be able to do that and then work with people who maybe that works for them maybe that makes it easier for them but um but the, the the best thing really about it is is the friends I've made out of it, you mm -hmm. know, where I would say like with a lot of like almost everybody, you know, we've even referred to or brought in. It's just like, yeah, sure. Music. Great. Whatever. But like the friendships I've developed have been just, you know, just amazing, you know, and and and, the, and that I think like has contributed to, you know, me growing as a person way beyond any of the guitar and you know like the band yeah. you know guitar bass and drums and band stuff it's like i'm just so grateful for that to like have so that, like, that's the punk rock people, of it all yeah yeah it's just like the community of it has been yeah. like i feel really lucky really lucky for that that's like if we, we if we never put out any of that music like it's so funny because we did a we did a release show one off show we did the album uh with everybody from the, almost everybody from the album and we did a rehearsal and i was like we don't even really need to do the show 
yeah because it just manifested itself right here right so it's like so this was like i'm you know i'm like second rehearsal i'm like floating on a cloud you know <laughs> yeah and it was like that this is great i'm so happy we could have done this you know and uh, of course and then the show ended up being like a just amazing experience but it was um but that was the thing of just having the you know friendship and community and 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 doing those things and then we also happen to make music as well so, right and you know that's also the i think you know like what's so fun about going and out of town and playing and, and growing your community by playing with these other bands that are like hey friend <laughs> you know hey yeah. like-minded person and you know so i feel very lucky to have been able to do that over the years as well as to meet people in different places and now all my friends who travel and tour i see that is a is at the top of the list is like that sort of camaraderie that friendship and that cooperation and stuff with people and it makes me really happy to see that it, not everywhere i'm sure but like most places and i'm sure you've had this experience too is like you go to places and there's like good places with good bands and and really good people yeah you know and then you you have this sort of like richer life because of it so and that's why and when, that's awesome. when tim reached out to me with the idea uh, of you coming on my show i was like well wait wait a minute I, I i know this guy hold on i know his music um you, you know like i don't and and tim can definitely verify this I don't have musicians or artists on the show that I don't have an affinity for because like it may seem sycophantic to a degree and maybe that's true, but I don't really care. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't have it in me to sit and have a conversation with someone who I don't appreciate on, oh. on a musical level, because what, what would be the basis of the conversation? like oh, you, you make this you know like the, like hey have this white power musician on your show right. guess what i'm gonna tell him to go fuck himself in <laughs> about 27 different ways yeah but like you know someone who uh creates art that i have an affinity for of course i'm going to have an interest in yeah. so oh, like thank like, you i appreciate you, that like, yeah your inclusion in this is is predicated on a, a very rich history of music that i have enjoyed since the early 90s oh well i really appreciate that i appreciate you yeah. having me and the chance to talk with you so thank you i uh, uh i i can't wait to get my hands on this you're doing a lathe cut yeah after this right yeah shoot me you need to shoot me your address i'll hook you up oh i yep. appreciate that man. yep oh no worries uh, yeah uh robin raymond cut the record um she runs red spade records in uh it's in calgary now it was in toronto mm -hmm. so here's the record so she printed it uh rachel bodding who did the the cd art this is actually the inside panel of the cd so consistency yeah and so um robin uh is the only woman in canada who hand cuts records so she's uh, oh wow yeah and uh, this is not fancy compared to some of the stuff she does she does check check her out red spade records is amazing but the sound the sound is great she's such an amazing engineer she's got such a great great ear and she did a fantastic job she was so awesome to work with um and um i can't wait to work on another project with her again so have but, you ever uh, what, seen the process of that the lathe cut process a little bit because um uh over at joyful noise in indianapolis uh, mm -hmm. moose over there cuts their lathe records and he did a lathe uh, a project for me last year that was this uh oh where did i put it i don't know where i put it the um it was an art project really i'm gonna find it for you and um no i'm not so, <laughs> so anyway it was i painted these two square lathes and then he cut on the other side 
And so I got to see a little bit of that process as well. And that was really cool, but it was still kind of like, I didn't quite know exactly what I was looking at at the time. And when she's, there's a bunch, she's got a bunch of photos of her actually doing the work. It's like, it's sort of like you imagine the factory making the record, but it's like, she's in there with her hand and her headphone and, yep. you know, and it's like, Oh my God. Anyway, if you, sh um, I'm getting ready to send these out and uh, I'll, I'll, I will be more than happy to send you one. If you just shoot me your address later. So I will, I will, um, because I would love to get my hands on yeah. one. The, um, yeah. it's got yeah. the new, new, oh, I'm sorry. What's that? The, the idea that, you know, and I, there are people local to me that also do the lathe cut, uh, vinyl thing, but it's so labor intensive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's not like mass producing where they extrude, and, and it, it gets it gets poured into a mold. These are cut off, yeah, and etched, yeah, oh, in and real time, yeah, yeah. And it's it's like Moose did such a great job on it, uh, and then Robin did such an amazing job on it. I just loved working with both of them, you know. And uh, Robin uh, is a part of the Women in Vinyl. It's a nonprofit here in the U.S., so they basically provide resources for women who are you know, uh, uh, DJs, record stores, mastering engineers, like all, you know, but like vinyl related work. So that's a yeah. really neat organization. They have a really cool podcast. And um, so getting to, to, to work with both of them and, you know, on, the, on, the, on these projects, it's a really, was a really cool way to make a record, just a small run of records for some people who would like a record. So yeah. this one got the original version of the song Way to Me from the record. And then it's got the new version, which is basically the recording, but it's been manipulated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and why? Because why not? Because why the hell not? Absolutely. Because why, yeah, there was just kind of a thing of a couple songs on the record where we were like, we did some weird things and we didn't end up putting them on there. We're like, well, what if we go back and play with it just for fun? What would happen? And yeah. then it turned out to be kind of fun. So we, it gives us another chance at that. You know, and over the pandemic, I've been learning a lot more about different ways to promote Tim Andrew at Sweet yeah. Cheetah has been a really has been really great to me, just kind of giving me guidance and, and things to think about, you know, to work on. And I've been following his advice and it's been really great for me as an individual yeah. trying to get music. So we're actually going to do another song from the record like this with a, another uh, person who does like more like um, electronica beats and things like that, where mm -hmm. he's kind of doing a treatment of one of the songs, one of the slow songs. And so, I mean, it's just sort of part of the, the path right to do this and and uh you know robin and i've talked about doing another lathe project and you know and and just uh see to see what 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 we can come up with you know i kind of just I, it's a it's a it's not a totally clear path but it's just based on like song creation and then recording and apparently manipulation right <laughs> so, right you know like let's let's then mess with the song but it's sort of like trying to be I, I will admit to being very narrow-minded in the past, even though I would do a lot of different things, I would do a lot of them the same way. You know, yeah. play the shows in the same way, uh, have the bands in the same way, make the albums in the same way, you know? And so I'm kind of, I feel like kind of free of that. And now I'm kind of enjoying, it's almost like, hey, I've learned how to do all this stuff and I can enjoy doing it in different ways and have fun, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and appreciate all of that stuff. But as well, I feel pretty flexible to do that and we'll see we'll see what happens next this this is my first single ever so this is a this whole thing was designed to for me to learn how to put a single out and how to get used to being also introduced <laughs> myself as a 
you know, like, hey, I'm now a singer songwriter. I'm not in an instrumental band. You know, for all, yeah. you know it's like uh, I'm doing, the, you know, I'm, and and kind of see where it goes. So it's been it's cool. I'm I'm really enjoying it. And it's it's a, it's a great full know, circle kind of uh, story because, like like you went around the bend to come back to kind of like the most simplistic square one of it all, where I'm make, I'm writing these songs, I'm executing them, and I'm recording them, and here it comes. Yeah, simple simple it got so complicated over the years but it's now it's really simple and uh and and it's and it's for the enjoyment of it right so it's a very much a beginner's mind approach right (laughs) this is like (laughs) yeah we're back we're back at the beginning and and uh yeah i just i mean i'm just really grateful to be able to to do that and you know for people to be able to listen to it and you know for the chance to talk about it you know because i mean in this it's just funny this conversation is just it's reminded me a lot of stuff that maybe i take for granted sometimes is all of that music all this like wonderful music that we've it's like and 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 I'll, I'll kind of revise what I said earlier. Is it because I was like, well, is there any more music? You know, like I mean, yeah, there always yeah, is. Oh, there, there always, always is. will be. There always will be, and we know it because there because we can look at history. It's not going to stop. You no, know, dude, I remember I mean, here. I remember hearing uh, Anthrax "State of Euphoria" <laughs> yeah. and saying to yeah. a friend of mine, "I don't care if it's a hardcore band or a crossover band or a thrash metal band." nothing will ever be as heavy as this record and then fucking death came out <laughs> leprosy yeah. the same year yeah 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 like, I, I remember that yeah i take that back this is the heaviest fucking thing i've ever heard in my life yeah. and then morbid angel happened and yeah. then deicide and like things yeah. just like it's everything will always be topped it's not about topping this yeah. or that it's yeah. about who's doing it I'm- the best I was that's so funny because I was like right there with you with anthrax. And I ended yeah. up seeing anthrax, yep, and then hearing death. But then I never saw those all any of those other bands, like I, you know, because because I wasn't my, you know, like, like for me, like, uh, Metallica Ride the Lightning was like sort of like, uh, you know, like that was an exception for me. I was like, I, I mean, I was hearing all the metal stuff at the record store, but yeah. I wasn't into really any of it, you know? And, uh, and that was of course an exception because it was thrashy. I'm like, well, it's not GBH, but it's, you know, but it is pretty thrashy. And, and it is, uh, it is but, like discharge kind of. Really, yeah. yeah. And it's really fun to listen to mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know? Um, and anthrax but, were the best at it in my opinion too. <laughs> we saw them at, uh, in Cincinnati and they were so much fun. Oh, so it was such a great show. So it was so, it was so ridiculously loud, you know, so not as loud as skinny puppy though. Well, skinny, Pu- well, we're talking about two dark park, like the most right. evil record of all time. I saw them on the vivisector and then I saw them on two dark park mm-hmm. and also the rabies tour and the two oh, dark yeah. park rabies was almost unlistenable live. Yeah, I mean, it was almost in, in an awesome way. It was just so painful. So like because it was so loud, and and then the next loudest show I ever saw, same place too, was uh, Sonic Youth, oh, which was God, yeah. which was yeah. like you know where I'm like, oh my head, you know, my head's gonna explode in a good way, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I want to be that loud. But there, the, so. there was that idea of extremity in the late yeah. 80s, early 90s, yeah. where like you would see Ogre from Skinny Puppy, like with Saran wrap over animal entrails and he's ripping them out and like eh, yeah mental shock yeah, yeah, yeah. loved it oh yeah loved, loved it. it it was so great yeah i got right in the front row watching him do that stuff so yeah you know and and that you know and and really that whole the reason i actually really like them is it was all of that late like like right now like i'll chill to, out to like brian and roger eno with daniel lenoir right on a oh yes but the, but that's sort of like that 
skinny puppies like texture layered soundtrack ish type of stuff like that's some always just i was just like oh i could just love you know like i mean fat just love it and you and, take um, you take lanois and, and and those guys and you apply them to you too yeah oh yeah we'll see and and my yeah and and unforgettable Fucking fire gorgeous. Is, is gorgeous still my favorite u2 album just yes again it's just that that textural of course it's not as like it's not what skinny puppy was doing but it's just that like sort of like mindset approach to creating this whole like you know sonic landscape or whatever yeah it was just i remember hearing that in high school and being like what Wow, how do we go from Daniel Lanois to Skinny Puppy when we started with, uh, you know, Link Ray and uh, and, and then the thrash Ray metal and, and crossover, yeah, <laughs> uh, because it's it all it's inhabits all it all inhabits the same headspace if you are open enough to accept uh, different sounds, different different yeah. or, oral experiments, and you know, music is music is music, yeah. You yeah, know, reality yeah, like like you could put on lycia you could put on morbid angel you could put on uh you know gorilla biscuits to me it all inhabits a similar space i it, i, it, I agree i i think it really is about more of like mo no matter what it is it's mostly just about the like the core of what's expressing it right for yeah. whatever reason whether it's joy or sadness or whatever is just that there's like something real that's happening and then it just comes out how it comes out and maybe that's why it's come out so many different ways for me because i've just yeah. needed to cover the ground whereas other people i know have been laser focused and it's been wonderful the whole time like yeah. you know it's like you know what 40 some years of richard thompson just like you know constantly constantly the same like ah, yeah martin awesome. martin gore is the same martin gore martin just like over and over and over it's like and, and it's just like nailed it nailed it nailed it yeah whereas other people may you know like me i just kind of maybe explore more but hopefully I find the same thing you know i and then you know like and i'll kind of throw another example of that of people like i don't know if you know uh danny gatton was of uh, course i know Danny. Yeah, right. <laughs> i i should have known you did i saw him play right before he died and it was like the joy in his playing yeah was like unbelievable i saw les paul a couple times in new york before he died same the joy like the joy a friend of mine his name's joe trichler he's a phenomenal rockabilly player played with me in the k-tones plays with his, has his own records has toured around with people like deke dickerson and goes to the festivals in vegas and like plays with all the guys there he is another one of those players that's just like complete joy in his playing it just like you just can't you know and gatton was like that too where you like you couldn't no matter what you thought of the style of music or the styles he was all blending he just made it seem like that was the most perfect place in the world right and i i think that's an aspect that can come out in like sorrow too right or like you know like um or in, in other emotions but it's sort of just that real delivery from the the heart which is so weird about danny gatton because he was so troubled right so that's kind of troubled a, but he was like he was a blues like god and right reality. sort of like yeah like yeah okay descended from yeah in there inside he was in there with stevie ray vaughn and like all of these people that kind of he's another person you'd watch and you'd be like you're watching pure joy right there i i don't know i mean i think that's another reason why they'll always be music yeah you know i mean like they'll always be amazing beautiful music that will still inspire us and make us want to write songs and be in bands and share music with our kids or or be like oh have you heard this 
you yeah. know, and then maybe we get to contribute a little piece of that. No, not saying we're going to make something that's that moving, but anytime someone tells you when you do something, you know, when you spend all the time working on something and then someone comes up and they're like, yeah, that song, I really enjoyed it or it meant something to me. Then you're like, oh my gosh, that's how, what greater, yeah, like what everything thrill is that, you know? So, so um, if, if I were to break all of that down for you mm -hmm. and ask you, what was the first experience for you that kind of uh imbued that in you your first musical experience what was your first moment where you knew this is what i want to do for the rest of my life oh wow that okay that's interesting but honestly the w there were these early moments in my life where i was like what 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 and it all in my introduction to punk rock was in a like a two month rush of John DeBuck's older brother, like, you know, buying all these records, listening to 97X and then basically like hand, throwing them over backwards. And we were playing all of them. We were throwing all these records on, you know, maybe we've been listening to the Beatles and all, and all of that. And it was putting on the Clash's first record. Oh, yeah. It was like it had been Ramon's first record. Buzzcocks, singles going steady, oh, stiff little fingers and flammable yes. material, and it was like this is yes. cool, this is cool, and then the U.S. version of the first class Clash album, the better of the two, know, in my opinion. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I think so too. And it was like everything just clicked, you know. And um, but there was like the reason I think I got there. There was a predecessor. And that, that's why I'm saying it's not as dramatic. That, when we played that, I was just like, this is it. Because at that point, like, I heard me playing. I could play that. I barely. <laughs> but I was like, I'm good. And then the next song, next song. I'm like, I could do these. And I was learning all that stuff. I'd play that album over and over and over and over and over again. All day, every day. Over. Mm -hmm. Side one, side two. Side one, side two. Dinner time. Side one, side two. You know. And, yeah. uh, and then, of course, all the other records, too. But the, like, but foundation work, I'll just say it quickly, was uh, a couple years before that, I, I uh, the kids are all right documentary. Yeah, yeah, I that was on night flight, a USA Network's night flight. Night flight was, yeah, mm. and and I would see the Laurie Anderson videos and the David Bowie videos and then yeah. all the other weird shit. And then when like, Williams would be on there, Wendy Williams. So, and then uh, I, 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 I maybe remember that I think they played it once and then I somehow got the VHS of it or something like that. But anyway, I watched that movie so many times and that was a blueprint for me that like, that was sort of like my rock and roll, like idols right there. Right, yeah. because at that point you could just plug the like I listened to the Doors and Zeppelin and I listened to all sure. of that stuff. I was a huge sure. Pink Floyd fan. Me too. But that was, and I didn't even know punk rock at that point. But that to me was everything, you know. Um, but I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't until I heard the Clash that then I got an SG, I got a brown SG, you know, yeah. and I wanted to get you know the overalls, but I didn't do that. But yeah. I was so, but I was up there thinking Ramones, Clash, who, right? That was yeah. So how interesting that our pinnacle moments are both tied to the same bands, <laughs> that, right? The only band that mattered, right? The so only band that the, mattered, you know, they, the, the who in the clash, the who in the clash. Oh my God. And Bo yep. Diddley opened, which was, Oh, oh my, yeah, that's right. I remember that. I remember the tour. Yeah. Fuck my whole face. Wow. Yeah. But uh, to, uh, you know, glean the same thing from the same, two bands really the who and yeah. the clash 
uh, absolutely. It, it kind of reminds me that there was something specifically magical about that point in the eighties that maybe a lot of people who were around for it missed mm. because Duran Duran, like people, I like Duran Duran, but people were the bands. Yeah, Adam, Adam and the Ants. People were shitting <laughs> on all that. Adam and the Ants, yes. Adam and the Ants. <laughs> the, the, the whole new romantics yes. thing. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like... And it, MTV, and it was making... I think... I remember MTV being a fabulous disaster, and it was great to watch because they were yeah. a mess. It was a mess. Oh, yeah, yeah. The first but, week MTV was on was a wreck, and it was yeah. so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, you know? And then all the live videos. I even watched yeah. Red Barchetta when it would yeah. come on, you know? I love and Rush. The, you know, I, I love yeah. Rush. I love yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm not um, a Rush fan, but, I mean, certainly you got to appreciate, you know, like, um, you know, I mean, the songs are easy to pick off. I mean, I, I love all the obvious songs from them, you know? But, so but what? It's, but but I, but I, yeah, yeah. But, it, but the, um, I, but that lead into them, like those Bowie videos, Mm-hmm. Like for boys keep swinging and DJ and uh, yeah. like all that stuff. Those still like I saw those. I was like, what the fuck? This is amazing. That was yeah, still the, that, ashes. Still my favorite Bowie song, you know. And it's it like, was that I, Berlin era. Where, yeah, you know what I mean. Like uh, yeah. Iggy and and all of them were kind of like bumming around. Lou yeah. Reed. They were all. And then, you know, like, I mean, Laurie Anderson was on there, and then pretty soon, you know, we had one of those repertory cinemas in Dayton, so we would go see. Home of the Brave. They showed that there with Adrian Ballou, who was yeah. down the street. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I didn't know that at the time with the rubber guitar and neck. And then, you know, they had Stop Making Sense, which is just like talk about, two, you know, that's in short. You know, so we just saw um, uh, that new one, the the, the American, uh, whatever it's called, the the, uh, the the new David Byrne. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mike Lee did. And it's like, I reminded me of watching Stop Making Sense. It's got to be Byrne. That that it, that just embodies this like just such this positive wonderful feeling about music you know and I know it is because I saw him speak at South by Southwest and I read his book and it was like I mean the, the guy just there's just no way to not feel really good about life and music well he was an antenna yeah yeah he really is and the way he does the whole band and they're just out there and and playing and I'm like just just yeah I don't know. I mean, and a friend of mine ever, just went to New York and saw the show and actually said it was it was amazing. And I'm like, I love the fact that there's amazing music still being made. <laughs> the yeah. ever presence of the tubes too. The tubes were the like, tubes. <laughs> oh man, they were they were. Isn't so... it funny how, like, no matter how, like how which direction we go, we're gonna keep coming up with these like you know like what the hell are the tubes? You know, yeah. I, the tubes just played in Cincinnati last year. I don't they miss just... the tubes. I don't miss the tubes anytime they play around. I don't. Okay. Miss the tubes. I didn't know they were still doing stuff. It's they like, are. That's so bizarre. That's so bizarre. But yeah. No, you're right though. That mid early '80s, that was a time of big transition, and it was a time of big waves of music happening. You know, but it's like I didn't listen to most of that stuff because I discovered X replacements, who's could do, yeah. you know, like, you know, like all of that stuff. So I was really absorbed in that, the Buzzcocks, you know, like, I mean, all the, those, the specials, you know, the yeah. selector, like all of that stuff, you know. And then, of course, I was like, oh, madness, that's cool, you know. But um, I mean, it was a deep, deep dive into all that because we were, because his brother was like two years older. And yeah. so, like, we were all in the same, going down the same rabbit hole and and there were tons of bands coming around and 
you know, and we were in a band, the obvious, and we were, you know, doing all that stuff. And, uh, and it was, that, I mean, that was great. Now, most of people I knew were listening to Van Halen. Yeah. Cause they were huge, right? That, that like everyone was going to they see were. them, you know, and, and all that stuff. I didn't care less at the time, mm-hmm. but you want to talk about somebody who play, who's complete joy when he's playing. Oh yeah. Eddie. Yeah. Well, yeah. whole band actually, but, but it's yeah. like, but him for sure, you know? And, and so I can hear some of that stuff now and realize why that they were so far beyond what it's, other I feel bad. Doing. I feel bad too, because I didn't give a shit less about them back right. then. Yeah. And, and I don't honestly a whole lot now, but I, because it, I'm not, I can't really hang with the, it's just I'm way not, too macho. And I'm not a cock rocker. And, right, I'm not a cock rocker. Gross. It's not my thing. I was always, but, but I, but I can hear what they're doing musically in some ways yeah. and appreciate like what he was doing, you know, but whatever and... they did wasn't as good as the cult anyway. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Du- Duffy was <laughs> better. To... My Billy Duffy was better. Sorry. Yeah. 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 It's true. Kathy just went and saw them a couple weeks ago. I saw them open for Billy Idol, blow Billy Idol off the stage. Of course they did. Um, they're well, a fucking course, cult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was electric tour. It was the electric tour, but she just saw them and said they were really good. Really good. Um, and it's kind of cool to see a band like we just saw the psychedelic first. They were great. Mm-hmm. Well, the psychedelic first are uh love that man. Un- unimpeachable. Unimpeachable. And, oh, oh, and they played all the weird shit. The whole set list was all the weird shit. They played President Good. Gas and like Good. I mean, I'm like, and then I'm like, what they they came back for an encore. I'm like, oh, what are they gonna do? India and they did India. <laughs> I'm like, and so they skirt they skirted around place. pretty in pink and all that nonsense. They, yeah, and... yeah, but they did them, they did the hits, of course, but oh, most okay. of the set. Oh no, they they did all the ones you'd expect, and mm-hmm. and, and and those are killer too. Sure, um, they are. and then they did new songs, and the new songs sounded fine. They sounded cool. He sounded great, and he and again he was so happy. And then X played with them, and X just killed it. They, I, I've seen X a few times, but I yeah. I couldn't even believe how good they were. I mean, they were playing like it was their last show, you know. And I think with their relative. I mean, you know, they've been around for a while and health scares. It's like, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I saw them, but I'm even more glad that they're doing it. Right. Yeah. And he, two weeks before that tour, he was supposed to play an acoustic show in Dayton and they had to cancel because they had COVID. And then he's like, heals up, hits the road with X for like 30 shows or something like that. I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> I was like, John Doe, man. John Doe is. X Doe. And and the fact of the matter is is people like John Doe, people like uh, oh god from the Jesus Lizard, he's an actor David, now. David Yao, yeah. David Yao. <laughs> they they do they do the acting thing, then they scale it back and they do the music thing that they, yeah. they came from. Uh, there's they bring the same intensity to both. I mean, can John Doe was in Roadhouse, man. Mm-hmm. He was in fucking Roadhouse. Yeah opposite fucking patrick swayze right yeah (laughs) come on you know who else is like that too tom waits tom well tom waits is in a class by himself let's lay this out tom waits is quite possibly with the exception of maybe warren zevon the most brilliant lyricist Mm -hmm. of the entire late 90s late 80s early 90s into the aughts yeah in all, in all reality and then warren zevon didn't make a mistake neither did tom waits, tom waits yeah yeah i oh i agree um he was 
here in Dayton filming a show, uh, a movie, and he went to a restaurant that's like a few blocks from me. Tom Waits was in a restaurant a few blocks from me. And a couple of people I know met him. I did not meet him, but he was a few blocks. Two of the best shows I've ever seen are Tom Waits. I saw him in Akron at a theater. And then later that night at the Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Or not Hall of Fame, House of Blues. House of Blues. House of Blues. Two shows. The sets were about 50% different. And the, the, the second show started at 2 a.m. Why he did a second show, I have no idea. But they were the two. And one was more, um, it wasn't theatrical, but one had a little more of a theater mood to it. And the other was much more raw. Duke Robillard was the guitar player. Oh, and his yeah. son played drums. It was a very, both of the sets had a very, uh, it was basically, it was before Orphans came out. It was basically, the, the posters were the Orphans record, but it was yeah. essentially the real Gone tour. And um, it was, and then he did a full blown tour, and they made the live album. Um, it was just, a glitter and doom. They made the glitter and doom album, and so basically that's what it, it sounded like. But it was that was just unbelievable to see him. I'm so glad I, I I got to see him, and he played a very fine selection of everything you'd ever want to hear. So nothing from one from the heart, but he did play like just about every you know like hey. Yep. That was a fine record. Did know? he did he play What's He Building in there? Uh, I think in one of the yes, I think he did in one of the yes, he did. When yes. well, every time he does that live, it's, yeah. it's like an experience. That's very children cool. by the million scream for Alex. Right, Alex yep, yep. I know that. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Love that record too. That's a great record. Oh uh, my god. The sound on that record. Oh, you know what I love about that record though the most? The drumming. Oh, yeah. like the drum like that record made me want to play drums well okay dj bone break also made me want to play drums. like under the big black sun made me want to play drums too but yeah but i can't do that um but the the, the simple fills that chris mars would do on that record all the space and all that stuff the was snare just, hits like, the snare hits were um and then every once in a while boom yeah you know, like, oh that was floor tom yeah. bass snare hit floor yes, tom okay. bass boom yep yep yes love it punctuate that was, that's that is percussion punctuation yep at yes its, at its most yeah. well articulated level yeah on that was real yep <laughs> i'm glad we both have I, I it's good to talk to somebody who appreciates that because i think some people miss that and they miss that record uh I sometimes know. You know, i don't know like how <sighs> it was a weird time in the replacements transition you know so people um, people who shit on don't tell a soul for example, no, shouldn't do that. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Period. Yeah, I, you know, like, like I, at that age, of course, production was a weird thing for me. But the darkness of that record, like, I really enjoyed. But I kind of, I enjoyed hearing those mixes that they put out, whatever, a couple years ago, whenever that happened. Like, that was really interesting to hear that stuff too. But yeah. it made me just feel just fine about the original stuff too. You know, I didn't feel like, you know. Uh, Cause he's weird. He's so weird about everything, but it's like, um, I, I don't know. Even I, I enjoyed all of that stuff. Like there's nothing I never, oh, yeah. I didn't enjoy, you know, there, there's, there's no such thing as a bad replacements record. I don't know. As a matter of fact, the album that everyone else I know thinks is their best record. I love, but I don't think it's their best. Tim, Tim. Yeah. Tim loved him. I love him, but let it be is my favorite. Yeah. I, it's the Tim, one I heard first. It let it be is the one I heard first, and I loved it, loved it, absolutely loved it. But Tim hit at the right time. 
and and for John and I, that was a record that like we heard it at a certain time. You heard Bastards we of Young. And, yeah, 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 exactly. And then we saw them around that time, and yeah, you know, so that that became our thing. Whereas Let It Be was already out, you know. So we did like yeah. we probably actually we probably heard the first album first. We probably went that album and then Let It Be, and we were like, what? And yeah. then you think yeah, it was a hardcore record said, into the... right. It's like, and then by the time you you hear Stink and Hoot Nanny, then you just love the whole package, you know. Yep. And then uh, and then Tim came out, and we're like, oh. So and then we were just diehards, you know. I think Tim, because of the songwriting, the yeah. depth of the songwriting, because it was all great songs by then. But then he really was coming into his own. Like he was strong. He was brave enough to kind of share what he what was really going on and take himself more seriously. You know? Skyway is on that yeah. record. Like you know, there, there's there's so much to behold. But to me. Let it be was the first time they wore their hearts right on their sleeves. Well, it's that's true. That is true. They they were that's truly them, right? Yeah, yeah, that's truly them. Yeah, it's. I mean, no, I I, I agree. I mean, it's it's considered their masterpiece for a reason, right? So yeah, and it is like I have to admit, like it's a better album than Tim. It's just Tim was at the right time, even though you know, I mean, you had songs like Waitress in the Sky or whatever, but it's just like. Bastards of Young, Left of the Dial, you know, here comes regular, yeah. you know, with all of that stuff. Um, it's just amazing. But boy, he really struggled with, I think he still does really with his abilities. I just, it just cracks me. I'm like, well, dude, <laughs> you know, you're Paul Westerberg. What the fuck are you worried about? You know, so yeah. So, but even like the, the B sides from Tim, like, uh, mm -hmm. like a rolling pin, you know, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, there's so yeah. many like, oddball songs that were attached to that record that didn't didn't really make the record that were still very haunting and 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 very uh like had they come out at the time they were supposed to come out would have been standout songs but they didn't yeah. make the cut until 20 years later i know isn't it weird yeah it's weird it's, it's, but, uh, but i'll tell you what you can go back and hear like um a song just like just pull one out of the middle like like i'll be you yeah brilliant you be me and baby i'll be you yeah, yeah yeah and it's just like what the hell's going on on that solo mm -hmm. you know and then of course they make the perfect video for it too right you know it's yeah. just like i just saw that video recently i'm like that's killer the replacements were what the stones would have been had ben. they had a conscience in the night or, or in the 80s <laughs> in the 80s <laughs> that's yeah. Good, yeah that's that's good yeah yeah because it's almost impossible to i mean who can even talk about the stones yeah, I mean, because it's like all, all of that stuff. Let It Bleed is still probably my favorite record. It's genius. But yeah. like, I have that box set. Um, it's somewhere behind me, behind that Gravedigger's record, actually. It's <laughs> the Stones and Mono. I'm going to grab it right now, actually. Right We're going to put it on. The Rolling Stones and Mono. And it, yeah. it is the first, like, 12 records uh, on Abco. And right there's not a stinker in the bunch and then once you get past exile right it starts to fall apart right yeah yeah definitely and i, I mean it's not that there wasn't stuff in there but then they just sort of became a kind of a tribute band you know i mean yeah i you know like i i think at one point i got i was probably like 
you know, somewhere in, around Steel Wheels or whatever. And, and somewhere by the time he made his, Keith Richards made his second solo album, which was so much better than any of you know, Yeah. Yeah. That I was just like, I, you know, like you just have that sort of like dinosaur rock resentment about it. But now it's just like, I, you know, good for them that they're, you know, like, I don't know, they're happy. They would, yeah. I mean, they don't need the money. So they have to be doing it for the happiness because you can't, can you even do it for the money at that point? They no. have so yeah, keep, we keep doing it. We've been pushing. We're we're almost at the three hour mark. Oh, okay. We should, <laughs> should probably probably uh which is up. Yeah. which is kind of incredible. Um because we started at eight thirty this evening. But uh if you wanted to leave us with anything at all, what would it be? Um wow, oh you mean like uh just anything at all? Yeah, like what, what, whatever it is that, you know, is kind of the thrust of, of what your music is now. If people were to take one thing from it, what would that be? Um, so I think that uh, regardless of the, like, the different styles I play or the folks I work with, um, you know, like I really enjoy, I, I hope that I create music that, you know, um, that uh, create some positive feelings, even if they're sad songs, you know, that uh, make us kind of think about the, you know, people we love, our family, our friends, and, you know, that uh, even in hard times, we get, you know, we, we get through them and we learn things. And it's, uh, I think I've, the songs I've, I've written recently, people tell me about them and what they like, and, and maybe they, they, they may say they're about their friends or their families or experiences they've gone through. And uh, and that's really nice. So I think, you know, I, I hope maybe if you hear my songs that maybe they remind you of things or they make you think about things and uh, and, and that that's a, a positive thing, I hope. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And they're certainly made from coming from a positive place and kind of just wanting to kind of share things that I think we all think about or, you know, we all feel in, in one way or the other. So that's my hope at least. So, well, let me tell you, this has been one hell of a conversation and when your next thing when your next thing comes to pass would you come back and sit with us again yes definitely thank you so much for having me it's been so great to talk with you this has been I, really had, great conversation so. a ton of fun awesome. and we have so much in common it's actually ridiculous <laughs> i know it is, it is. so yeah. tim didn't tell me he, he's like yeah you guys are gonna be like that so yeah yeah um, he, he nailed it yeah yeah good job tim <laughs> um yeah yeah and uh, you need to email me your address so i can hook you up i will i will directly so. thereafter tonight okay cool cool all right my friend all right thanks Peter. i appreciate it great thank to talk you. with you all right you as well all right see you later okay. see ya bye-bye right. all right folks this concludes part two of my interview with nick kadzernis I've already said just about everything uh, I can say about Nick's work, his music. It's, it, it spans decades. It is consistently excellent, well-executed, important music. What you're hearing right now is a cut from, you know, the obvious, his, his, his punk band of yore, and you can hear that replacement's influence that we, we spoke of and uh, the sincerity of it. This is, this is a, a sincere document of youth. 
and it's beautiful and it's refreshing to hear all these years later. Um, his music's been a part of my life for a very, very long time, most of my life. Uh, it's worth your time. It's worth a listen. Please check him out on Bandcamp. Download. Buy a 7-inch. Um, you know, support these independent artists. Uh, these important independent artists. And uh, I think that's all I really have to tell you tonight. So next week, when I come back, I will have a surprise for you. Uh, we're going into season two. It's time to change things up. And my voice is not going to be the only voice you hear uh, on these intros and outros. So prepare yourselves, folks, and take good care of each other. Um, be careful out there. The world's getting scarier by the day. Uh, and with that being said, he's been Nick. I've been Peter. You've been beautiful. Take care, everybody. This has been the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast from 3.33 a.m. Studios. Please like us, uh, rate, review. Uh, we have our PayPal set up uh, if you want to donate. I have Patreon coming for Season 2. Uh, I don't normally try to hawk myself, but the show is not free for me to make. And, uh, you know, we've been doing it pro bono for a full year. We kind of want to keep this going, but we got to keep the lights on too. So any little bit helps. Uh, bless you. I appreciate it. Good night. <laughs>